Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C. I'll warn everyone, Craig's informed today, so we'll just have to tolerate him, I guess. He's already started, so uh, let's see, we've got... Of course, Craig M. with us, and Kate E., and Lala M., uh, Paul, don't know, Paul, what's your last initial? Uh, F. F, Paul F., Bill M., and Marla H., glad to have everyone today. Talking about the 43rd verse of the Tao Te Ching, did anyone pre-read this that has any thoughts um, I did. I pre-read, and it's 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 about for me being held by the universe, not trying to make things happen, um, just letting the letting nature take its course. That's part of it. It is not being attached to the outcomes. Not you know. Not working against nature, working with nature. A lot of the idea of Wu Wei is in this. Balance. Yeah. I read a bit of not not having expectations in it as well. Just letting things go and just not expecting anything. Let the old daddy just act without expectations. I I got quite a bit of that from from some of the readings. Right. Just do without expecting anything. Yeah. But then when you get a return, it's a bonus. The, the power of doing nothing, the power of keeping my hands out of things. <laughs> Non-action. Non-action. Sure. Which is really more difficult action when you think about it. <laughs> so that's, uh, that, that's, that's good. That's a lot of what I saw, too. So let's go ahead and read. Kate, you going to read for us, dear? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'll share the screen, and of course the link is in the chat. All right. First translation. The softest thing in the universe overcomes the hardest thing in the universe. That without substance can enter where there is no room. Hence, I know the value of non-action. Teaching without words and work without doing are understood by very few. Second translation. The gentlest thing in the world overcomes the hardest thing in the world. That which has no substance enters where there is no space. This shows the value of non-action. Teaching without words, performing without actions, that is the master's way. Third translation. That which offers no resistance overcomes the hardest substances. That which offers no resistance can enter where there is no space. Few in the world can comprehend the teaching without words or understand the value of non-action. Final translation. The softest force in the universe can overcome the hardest of objects. Something without substance can pass through the space between atoms. That's how I know about the power of doing nothing. The silent teachings and the power of doing nothing can only be understood by a few people. What do you think that is, that it's only understood by a few people? This game we're talking about today. 
maybe that we're trying, we try so, most of us try so hard to control. I think it is. I think it is, Marla. I think it's so easy to try to force things. Yeah. It comes kind of naturally to us to try to, I mean, I don't know if it's naturally to us, but in our society anyway, to try to force, you know, try to force our way. I think I've shared here before that whenever I push something, you know, force something that is all the signs in the universe are telling me this is not working, I never get the end result that I want. Whereas if I had just stepped back and, you know, let go, let God kind of thing, um, the conclusion would have yielded the right results. Yeah. Exactly. And that's so difficult to do because we have to consider another opinion other than ours when we do that. <laughs> and I always know the right answer. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. You know, that is the problem. So that's why this is understood, I think, by a few people. Okay. How about this in the third translation, the very first um, part of that sentence, that which offers no resistance overcomes the hardest substances. I picked up on that this time when I read it. The, The title I put on this when I read it months and months ago was the power of doing nothing. And I, I don't think that's quite what I'm seeing now because it's not, this is not about doing nothing. This is about more of the power of allowing. Yes, agreed. Uh, and I've been studying about this idea of resistance. And we've talked about this, I know. And I, knew, I know we talked about this in the letting go meeting that we were doing. That let's say when I'm angry, and I try not to be angry. I resist it. And when I resist it, I give it power. Right. And when I learn to stop resisting and just let myself be angry for a moment, it just went away. I think there's an aspect of that in this. Yeah. Well, that seems to be a new way of therapizing. But, or I don't think it's a new way, but uh, allowing ourselves to feel things which is we numbed ourselves while we were stoned but allowing ourselves to actually feel the things that we numbed ourselves from i mean i think we all know that when you just shove stuff down whether it's Mm -hmm. anger or any kind of emotion it comes out somewhere else and it doesn't come out um never comes out well (laughs) no it never does you're right you know i was always taught not to feel that kind of thing. You know, I was taught, you know, I wasn't supposed to be angry. I wasn't supposed to, you know, whatever it was, I was not, you know, given permission to feel any of that. I was told to do something else instead. Even when I went to work the steps in recovery, um, I would resist a feeling. I, I would, I would try to, I would try to stuff those things. So here lately, I've been learning, though, 
that that when I have a character defect that's popped up, instead of oh no, I, I can't do, I got to do, I got to, you know, and you you go and you start stuffing it, ever how you do that, I've learned no, I don't need to stuff that. I'm I'm afraid, you know, if you're afraid, I'm afraid right now, and I'll just kind of say it, you know, I'll say, well, I'm I'm afraid of such and such right now. Why am I afraid of that? And I'll just let it be for a minute. And it, and it really does take the power out of that. It's, it's amazing how that works. I never would have thought that would, that would be such a, such a freeing tool to allow myself rather than resist. So when I saw that where it said that which offers no resistance overcomes the hardest substances. Now, I know it's talking about water, and, and I know you, we got this whole water analogy, but I think that applies to... Um, like acceptance. Once you accept it, the power is removed. You know, and it was talking about water to a rock. How about love to hostility? Mitchell talks about that, the guy that did the second translation. In his commentary, water and rock, Love and hostility are two examples of gentleness overcoming hardness. And then Dyer talks about the water analogy a good bit. Mm-hmm. The power of emptiness. Emptiness. The power of emptiness. Something with no motive without self, I think, is a lot of this when it's talking about the value of non-action. Mm-hmm. The value of not acting for my own intent or in a selfish manner, um, that's part of that, too. It may not be that you're not acting. It's that you approach the situation instead of automatically approaching it with, okay, what can I get out of this situation? More of, okay, how can I help in this situation? The lack of acting in your own self-interest. Okay, Greg, you have the Derek Lynn. Yep, but Derek, right, so his, um, his translation of the 43rd, the softer things of the world override the hardest things of the world. That which has no substance enters into that which has no openings. From this I know the benefits of unattached actions, the teachings without words, the benefits of actions without attachment are rarely matched in the world. So when he's talking about the softest things in the world overriding the hardest things in the world, he um, he gives the analogy of a man riding a horse. So obviously the horse is a lot stronger than the man, but the man is clearly in control of the horse because he's sat on top of it, he's directing it, he's telling it where to go and what to do. Um which I think is more of a, uh, I think it's more of a practical example of, of it rather than like a, a metaphorical one. Um, that which has no substance enters that which has no openings. Obviously, refers to water. Um, water can obviously find its way into to just about anything. Um, he, um, what he actually says about that: water seeps into the, and dissolves rock. Electricity flows through a block of metal. Thus, the intangible dye can permeate all things, even if they appear to be solid without any cracks or openings. From this, I know the benefits of unattached actions. 
He says we can extrapolate from this to understand life. The Tao acts in a Wu Wei manner and effortlessly achieves the miracle of life. We find inspiration in this and see the possibility to act without attachments and achieve great works without friction or resistance. And I think the main thing this is is the is the lack of resistance. Um and and just basically giving in to to what's what's gonna be. Um Hey, Craig, I like the way he um, translated that, unattached actions. Yeah. Not no action, but actions that are unattached. Yeah. There are situations that we need to take action. Well, quite honestly, Marla, not taking action is action. It is. You know, yeah. I mean, it's all action. We, we've got to take action in every situation. It's just what kind of action we take. You know? I was um, I was just thinking in a, of a personal nature of my yoga teacher opened a second studio and she just thought, you know, the universe will take care of it. You know, it'll be, it'll just happen. It'll, it'll be busy. It'll make money. And she didn't do anything yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. And she, so she ended up closing it after a year. So that's an example of somebody who's like, oh, the universe will take care of everything. That's non-action. Yeah. Non-action. I think I was listening to an Omar podcast this morning, and I forget who it was with, but it was his latest one. And the guy was really gung-ho God, but he said, you can't just pray. You can't just pray. You also have to take action. Yeah, I've heard that too. You can't just pray and expect everything's going to be okay. You have to put do the heavy lifting as well. Yeah, just just on that subject, Molly, just we talking about the schools. I opened um, I opened the Taekwondo school two three years ago, and I didn't advertise it um, to start with. It was just I was kind of under the same impression. I thought, right, everybody knows there's a martial arts school going into this school, and that's it. Everybody's going to be coming to it. So for the first four or five weeks, it was just myself and my instructor which was good for me because it gave me one-on-one time with him so I could I could get on with what I was doing. Um, and then we had um, a grading and competitions come up. So some of the students asked if they can come to that class as well. So we said yes. Um, and just through just through that, it's actually grown into one of the busiest classes that we've got. Um, we haven't advertised it. It's just, it's just we've, all we've done is we've just opened the doors to people. Um, we do work with the local community as well. So we go into the schools uh, during the term time holidays and we give free classes for the kids, and That's just taking action. You took yeah. action to, but, yeah, but it, it wasn't intentional. It wasn't intentional. It wasn't. We, we didn't go out for that. I, I didn't go out for that reason of getting all these people in so I can make a lot of money, which I'm, I'm still not made, by the way. I'm still waiting on that part coming in. But <laughs> what I'm saying is, through through not actually through not actually doing anything. So I've, I've not marketed this class. I've not advertised it. All we've done is I've gone in, done my bit. And I've not, I've not had any massive expectations to get things out of this as well. I've just purely went in with the intention of helping people out. The, the, um, the school came to us and says, we've got a couple of hours block, you know, can you fill it for us? And we've done that. And just in the back of doing that, we've got, we've got one of the busiest schools in, in, in the Falkirk area. Just say all of Scotland. Busy okay, school in all of right. Scotland. Okay, buddy, can you go back and edit that? Let's try again. Just what? through that, we've got one of the busiest schools in the world. <laughs> there you go. We're not going to know the difference, Craig. 
difference. We're not going to come to Scotland and verify. I don't think there was anywhere else known apart from Scotland. <laughs> no, there isn't. It's only you. Yeah, but just, just, just through not, just through not pushing things, just, just through letting things take the natural evolution and just, just taking things for what they come in. And again, just, just through doing work from the school, we never say to the school, right, that's fine. We're going to do this for you, but this is what you have to do for us. We just go in and we just, just let the natural actions just take place, and we never resist. We never say no either. We never say no to the school, and um, because we know, we, we know how, how much the kids benefit from that. Um, so that, that's, that's where we act without, without the, the, the attachments of. You know, expectation expectations back from anybody. Yeah, you know, it's really that really is the crux of this whole idea of non-action. Is what is my real part in what I'm doing? How much is my part, and how much is going over the line? Yeah, you know, how much is too much? And that's a hard balance to find. That's a hard balance to find. Uh, I really, for me, it seems to be that comes from practice, and it's different with everything. Mm-hmm. And I can gauge my peace and joy by what I'm doing. Is really about the only way I can tell. Because if I'm push, 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 I start getting stressed. Mm-hmm. And when I started getting stressed, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. There is some area of my life that when I see that unmanageability, like you can look at the first step, really. When I see that unmanageability, there's some area I'm not being powerless over. So I can kind of back up and say, okay, I've got this stress. Why do I have this stress? Am I invested in the outcome or am I trying too hard? Am I pushing like you were talking about, Lala? You know, what is it that I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing? Yeah. And that, for me, that's about the best way for me to see that. Um, there's a saying here, the guys, you know, people come into AA and they think God's just going to take care of everything for them and they, they kind of are going autopilot sometimes. And one of the old guys here will say, well, if I'm hungry, God's not going to push me a hot dog through the keyhole. You know, that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the saying, you know, in other words, you've got to get out and do something. You know, you've got to do the footwork. You've got to get out. Absolutely. You, need job. you need to go out and apply for a job, you know? So, you know, that's the kind of thing that you got to do. But so, without acting like God. Yes. Basically for me, you know, even in a play, if you say, well, I'm going to just play my part, you still have a part. You know, there's still a part for you to play. So for me, it's doing what's in front of me to do. And I can always see what that is. And it's effort and it's work. But as long as I'm open to that and I'm looking, I will see what my part is to do. But I, I like personally, I like to err on the side of if I don't know what to do, I, I patiently wait yeah. until I can see what to do. I'd rather err on the side of doing less than err on the side of, of pushing. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Now, but, uh, I mean, I always used to. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that's a practice though that is that is really a tough thing to learn and that's what he's talking about that few understand they few few understand how loss is gain like we talked about last week or how sometimes doing less is in reality doing more you know that's the that getting that push out of the way and that i've got to make this happen and it's up to me that kind of an you know is a lot of times is not to our benefit Mm -mm. a lot of i think what he also said means that most of us don't have a lot of patience to wait for the outcome that supposedly should happen yeah you need to exercise patience as well what is the the dow saying with that uh waiting for your mud to settle like like a like water and yeah. allowing the mud to settle so the right answer will appear by itself. Yeah. The right action's the way it said. But it's still action. You're still waiting on the action. And it is much tougher for me to wait to see the right action than it is for me to just be busy for the sake of being busy. Yeah. I mean, I know I had to learn that le- this lesson so many times just by hindsight. Like, oh, my gosh, it's... I, you know, I don't realize until shit hits the fan that, wow, I was really forcing something that was just not meant to be mm-hmm. done that way. Um, and like I said, I think now I'm starting to practice non-action and, and I'm a doer. Like I'm a doer. I do not sit still, but luckily there's plenty of other projects that you can give non-action to <laughs> other than the one you're waiting on. Um, yeah. You know. I can imagine how this would apply to raising children. How do you um, not impose your will on your children? And I see that with helicopter parents, um, how they impose their will. I don't, you know, don't get hurt. Don't do this because you're going to get hurt. Don't say that or this. And, and, you know, you have to do this, this, and this, and this, and always be busy and imposing their will on their child. It's so funny because I um, I find that I'm so much more open. I have a I have one of those mothers that's very needy and anxious and needs to know things, especially about recovery. And I find when she, whether it's on purpose or accidentally, backs off, I open up. The floodgates open, and I'm I'm much more easily, you know, by her doing nothing, which is a non-action action by non-action she gets the best results if she can get out of her own way this would be interesting yes (laughs) more you push for answers the more likely someone's going to clam up or not do what you want them to do Uh, yeah Yeah, that's the truth of it i always found that out you know before i was married too you know if i really wanted to date someone i acted like i wasn't interested the oldest game in the book. <laughs> yes. yes, the oldest one. But it's the same kind but of it thing. Works. <laughs> it's terrible, but it works. It does, doesn't it? It's yeah. awful. And then once they're interested, I'm no longer interested yeah. anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But that's it's that same idea that, you know, our overdoing does not accomplish what we want. And I was thinking another thought I had on this was I do not help any situation 
by being involved when I am not needed. Yeah. By putting my fingers in things. Craig, you have anything else in the Derek Lynn that you want to talk about? And let's have a look on it. I think it was, uh, he just mentioned the benefits of action without attachment are really matched in the world. Um, really matched in this line has two interpretations. The first is that the power of the doubt is unmatched. The second is that the teachings of the doubt, as outlined in this chapter, are really matched by human intellect, or they will not, well underst- or they will not be well understood by most people. The benefits of action without attachment are rarely matched in the world. Yeah, I can see that. But that's a constant practice for me. Yeah. Constant, constant. I had something else I was thinking about on this. How about how about this verse here? This is a this is Matthew eleven or ten. Matthew ten. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. That is definitely unattached action. If you lose your life, you'll find it. If you yes. find your life, you lose it. That's yes. definitely unattached action. Can I read something from one of my yogi texts? Sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. This is the Bible, the Light on Yoga. It's our Bible. Um, Apari graha, it's a Sanskrit word for non-attachment, non-hoarding, or collecting things. So um, by observance of aparigraha, or not non-attachment, the yogi makes his life as simple as possible and trains his mind not to feel the loss or the lack of anything. Then everything he really needs will come to him by itself at the proper time. The life of an ordinary man is filled with an unending series of disturbances and frustrations and with his reactions to them. Thus, there is hardly any possibility of keeping the mind in a state of equilibrium. The student has developed the capacity to remain satisfied with whatever happens to him. Thus, he obtains the peace which takes him beyond the realms of illusion and misery. That's what we're going for. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I've got another outside quote. This is from... The Letting Go book, Pathway of Surrender, David Mm -hmm. Hawkins. I was thinking about his ideas on desire when I was reading this. Yeah. And that, uh, let me see, where do I want to start? Okay. Desire, especially strong desire, craving, cravingness, frequently blocks our getting what we want. So the fact that we're desiring it blocks us from getting it. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this so? Actually, the way something comes into our life is because we've chosen it. It was the result of our intention or we made a decision for it. It has come into our life in spite of our desire. The desiring was actually the obstacle to its achievement or acquisition. This is because the desire literally means I do not have. In other words, if we say that we desire something, we're saying it isn't ours. When we say it isn't ours, we put a distance between it, and it becomes an obstacle. Now, 
um, in a, and he's talking about in a free state of mind, that which is chosen manifests in our life effortlessly. We surrender the emotion of desire, and instead we choose the goal, picture it lovingly, and allow it to happen because we see it as already ours. So basically this idea of push and force and we've got to make it happen, no matter what it is, is an obstacle to us, not a help. Yeah. 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 That's the truth. Replace desire with attachment. Yeah, exactly. I, I like seeing this in other texts in different places because it's everywhere because it's the same principle. It is. So what do we do? Let's say we're in a situation and we don't know what to do and we're, we feel we're pushing, you know, first thing I do is I pause. Yeah. Say, well, wait a minute. I don't really see my part. So I'm going to surrender to this. I'm going to stop resisting it and I'm going to be powerless over it. And I'm going to ask my higher power just to show me what my part is in this and just look. And if I get anxious, I just go help somebody. I go do something for someone. I do you know, <laughs> something to occupy myself for someone else until I can see the right thing to do. It's not brain surgery. <laughs> no, but that's where, you know, I find I have to exercise patience. Yes. I'm sitting back and waiting for answers to come to me thinking, you know, what, why, why am I doing this? I need to be active. Or, you know, spending time. uh, Maybe if you know, if you're dealing with something, let's say you're looking for a job and you're getting anxious because you don't have a job and you've got to make this happen. Yeah. It's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. (laughs) Well, I'm 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 in a similar situation, Marla, in that I'm I've started a new business that I'm waiting on people to finish things. Yeah. That I'm waiting and I'm doing some other things while I'm waiting, but still if I allow myself, especially if I have the conversation with my wife, it will just go, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? What do we you know, it's all this, you know, make it happen, make it happen, make it happen. Whoa, wait a minute. I've done everything I can do today. So I'm trusting that things are like they should be. If I were looking for a job, I would be putting in applications. I would be, you know, doing those things. I would also be uh, praying for someone. If I knew someone who was looking for a job, I would be sending, you know, if I was sending loving thoughts to them, if you were doing that or praying for them, ever how you practice that in your practice, some way that you're giving in that. Um, is is how I how I approach that. That's tough though to really find that balance. Yeah, yeah, it is. Unattached action, no agenda. Let's go to let's go to Wayne Dyer at this point because we've talked about all my notes. All right. He does an interesting thing on his translation. On this one, on the last two sentences of his translation, you know, these other translations have said the value of non-action or it's the master's way or few people find it. The translation he used said 
that rare indeed are those who obtain the bounty of this world. So he puts it, his translator puts it as if the thing the whole world is looking for is this. Yeah. Isn't it though? It is. Yeah. (laughs) When I saw that, I was like, yeah, that's what, this is what everyone's looking for. How can I live life in this careless fashion and just do my part? Not nothing more, nothing less. That's what everyone's looking for is this. And they don't know it. Yeah. They don't know it. (laughs) Some of us, some people will never seek it though. Because they have to get out of themselves, Marla. You know, when they get a taste yeah. of this, mm. I think is around the holidays. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> because it's the only time of the year some people give without expecting in return that Christmas spirit or that holiday spirit. That's what they're feeling is the idea of doing something for someone else with with knowing, with not intending having anything back. It might be the only time they do unattached action in their life. Good Christians. Well, yeah, well, yeah, anyone giving, you know, not expecting in return, you know? Yeah. Idea. The best example isn't even so much gift giving, but, um, like, I, I usually volunteer at, like, a homeless shelter yeah. feeding feeding the hungry at Thanksgiving or Christmas. There's no way you're getting back from that. Sometimes wow. gift giving, you do like, oh, well, they didn't get me anything. <laughs> no, but it brings you joy, doesn't it? Yeah, no, that that yeah. specifically gives me joy. I actually get anxious about the gift giving because it's like, I don't know, I don't want them to feel bad if they didn't get me anything. But, but sometimes, um, it's, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes you you kind of buy things for people because you know that they're going to get for you, even though you've had yeah. the conversation to say, look, don't bother doing anything this year because... Yeah, you know, I don't want to do presents, but my sister's a great example. We always say to my sister, look, we're not doing presents this year. We've yeah. been doing this for the past 10 years. We're not doing presents this year. <laughs> and every year, every year we probably spend more money on each other than we do. Because <laughs> it's not it's not the fact that we know the other person is going to be. We still want to go and buy each other something for just the, the sake of just, just giving. Um, I would say it should just be for the kids. <laughs> should be. How, how how old do you stop being a kid? I'm I'm in my twenties now, and I'm <laughs> I'm not in my twenties. Yeah, whatever we do, I'm so gullible. <laughs> <laughs> you must have drank a lot. This <laughs> <laughs> is Scottish, Lala. <laughs> Let me read the forty third verse. Uh, the softest of all things overrides the hardest of all things. That without substance enters where there is no space. Hence, I know the value of non-action. Teaching without words, performing without actions, few in the world can grasp it. That is the master's way. Rare indeed are those who obtain the bounty of this world. <laughs> Excuse me. In this verse, Lao Tzu invites you to change the way you view hardness. To you, the concept is probably equated with strength, true. You may work out because the firmer your muscles, the tougher you think you are. Do you consider diamonds more valuable than a soft mineral like volcanic ash, which crumbles in your hand? Perhaps you subscribe to the idea that doing a difficult task 
makes you a better person. Now imagine emulating water, this basic element that is the embodiment of nature. After all, it does comprise 75% of both the world's world's surface and our physical makeup. Think about the way water courses, flowing to the lowest place, and how in order to experience it, you can't just grab a handful. You must instead relax, lightly placing your fingers inside of it. Reflect upon how the gentle water compares to the solid stone and marble it's capable of carving through. The soft water overrides hardness. Deep valleys surrounded by mountains of granite have been carved away over the centuries by the patient, quiet, moving liquid. Imagine being able to enter where no space appears to be available and to move slowly, speaking seldom and allowing yourself to be harmoniously intact as you seek a lower, less noisy, and noticeable place, a place where all others desire to come to you. That is the watercourse way. There's value in the non-action of being able to flow like water, naturally and effortlessly. I can't help but think of this when I enter the ocean to swim for an hour or so. I want to go with the current rather than swim against it. So my first choice involves seeing which way the water is coursing. As I move through the sea, emulating its naturalness, I trust my instinct and swim without trying to direct my arms and legs in their strokes. I think of it as doing, but not interfering. That is, I'm allowing my body to propel itself through the water without my mind telling it how to move. As I've changed my thoughts about hard and soft, I don't have to do anything but be in the water. I've chosen to make my daily swim a soft, silent experience that requires very little action on my part. And my swimming world has changed, becoming easy, joyful, and almost effortless. I've learned the value of non-action as Lao Tzu expresses it in this verse. It's performing without action. Hold on, hold on a second there, Mara. Performing without action, I think of it as doing but not interfering. Yeah. He's not uh, swimming against the stream when he's swimming with the stream. He's referring to, I, I skipped over that, he's referring to Alan Watts's book, The Watercourse Way, which is about the Tao, I believe. Yeah, and there's all kinds of water analogies when we go to talking about uh, this idea of, of Wu Wei and the going with the flow and how water seeks the lowest point. Yeah. You know, all those things to do with water. We could, we could do a whole meeting just on the water analogy sometime if we wanted to. That would be just about water because there's so many. Uh, there's so many. Um, but, but that's what he's talking about, this idea of not fighting against but going with. How much of my life have I spent fighting against what was there instead of just going with what was there? How much easier it would have been? Yeah. Rather than that push, push, push. Yeah, for some reason I started thinking about my old coworkers because that's real life. You know, you you work with people who aren't – enlightened or don't want to become enlightened and how do you just let all their bullshit 
you know, flow over you without getting bothered by it. That's, you know, that's a real life example of how to live in the real world. You know, how do you do that? Well, they're, they're sick people. Yeah. And coming from a place of love and learning, they're not, they're not doing that to you, no matter if it's directed to you. That's them. They're doing that to them is what they're doing. (laughs) It is. It's more about them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely have been very reactionary in the past, but now I kind of look at it in a different light. Like, wow, that's, that's where they are in their level of enlightenment or evolution. And, you know, not pity it, but just kind of look at it without um, judgment. It really is almost a pity, though, Lolly. You, I do. You, I pity it. <laughs> but, but, you know, not in a bad way. You know, I mean, like you see that and you feel sorry for them. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wow, that's where you are. Okay. God, I, and I'm grateful. A lot of times I say, thank you, Father, that I'm not that angry anymore. Yeah. I automatically <laughs> go to gratitude, you know. Yeah. Or I remember when I was like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, you know, I do that to myself. I don't tell them that, you know. And then other times when I'm not as spiritually fit, you know, I'll, you know, I'll react, you know. Oh, yeah. It's never like, you know, constantly, I'm up here. It's like, (laughs) there's times I'll give the bitchy eye roll. (laughs) You're human. Yeah. But, but, you know, we're always a mirror. Everyone else is a mirror to us, yeah. and we're a mirror to them. So ever how someone's behaving, they're really doing that to me. I mean, doing that to themselves. They're not doing that to me. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we learn not to take that personally, then we, we can go a long way toward staying in non-action. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <sighs> What do you want to read next out of that, Mark? I'm going to go to the principle. Okay. Because um, I love this paragraph. The principle is clearly seen when you look at great champions as they perform their chosen activities. The greatest golfers are effortless in their swing. The most successful ball players run, jump, throw, catch, and shoot with a softness that seems to stupefy most observers. They don't use force nor can they find words to describe how they do it. The most talented artists dance softly without effort, paint quietly without force, and write easily without struggle by allowing the words to come to them. As Lao Tzu reminds you, these are rare beings who live the master's way. Rare beings. These sages obtain the bounty of the world, which is available to you too. As I contemplate Lao Tzu's counsel, He urges me to offer you encouragement to apply the spirit of the watercourse way that's found in the 43rd verse of the Tao Te Ching. So introduce a soft, non-action style to your life. Practice the way of non-action or performing without effort. By letting go of your inner drive to push ahead, you'll see that you ironically do better than when you tried so hard. In your work, Become more tolerant in your drive to achieve by softening your attitude and behavior. You'll see that customers and larger opportunities are attracted to you. Why is this? Because you're allowing the perfect flow of the Tao 
Like the great gray heron lets the tag recede in order to reveal the nourishment he needs to live. Notice how your life changes as you change the way you look at it. He says this in every chapter. Practice performing without effort in other areas of your life, too. For example, some marathon runners say that they've learned to relax and stop pushing, letting their legs, arms, and torso simply be as their bodies begin experiencing extreme exhaustion with only a few miles to go. They report that when they shut down the mental interference and instructions, they magically cross the finish line. Soft always has its place, for it is, it is the watercourse way, the way of the Tao. Hold on, hold on right there, Marla. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Um, I just wanted to talk a couple of these things real quick. They report that when they shut down the mental interference and instructions, they magically cross the finish line. Yep. That's like yoga, too. I mean, exactly. I mean, if you're like, oh, my God, I can't stand it. I can't hold this pose any longer. Your mind, if you shut that off and just focus on the breath, you enter a whole new, uh, you're rejuvenated. It's like, oh, oh, I can do this for a little longer. And, and that's a practice that we can take out in everyday life. Yeah. It, it, we don't, once we cross that line of powerlessness yeah. the, I think the whole purpose is not to do that on the mat or at the end of a marathon Yeah. the purpose is to learn how to do that when I want to fuss at my wife <laughs> well they do say take you know it's like take yoga into your everyday life like practice these principles yeah yeah, it is. It's like instead of being all up in your head and having your own dialogue and telling your own story, just emptiness. Take the breath. Yeah, take a breath. <laughs> Use your breath. Absolutely. Yes. It's why practice, the practice of yoga has helped with my recovery yeah. so much. So same thing of when I learned how to be powerless with alcohol and then we're taught that we learn to practice this in all of our affairs. Yes. For me, I think that means learning how to be powerless over the other areas of unmanageability in my life. Learning how to practice the non-action of my self-interest in other things so that I can get the same relief in that area that I got from alcohol. Yeah. And it's this same principle of of like he's talking about here, practice the way of non-action or performing without effort. By letting go of your inner drive to push ahead, you'll see that you ironically do better than when you tried so hard. Oh, yeah. It does work. That works. Yep. By not using force, we leave room. We leave space for our higher power to come in and help us with this stuff. And this whole idea of, of push, when we can start um, practicing the opposite of that, this non-action in little things, I think, for me, that's when life really started getting better. When you stop pushing. Stop pushing. Yeah. Start, learn to let go. Start when learning to let go in more areas of life. I know for me with this this time in recovery, I stopped pushing it and just letting it happen. And I, I, I don't know what's different about this time, but it's different. And it's 
there's, there's just, I think there's been a surrender to the fact that there's nothing, no substance I can ever take ever again. It's just the way it is. And hope, who cares? It's okay to live without substances. You know, that's really the bait. I think that's, we covered all of what, what I saw in Wayne Dyer that I wanted to talk about, but this, this was the paragraph I really wanted to get to was this idea of stopping the push. And for me, that comes from me thinking and believing that everything is as it should be. If I don't believe that I will push and I will try to work, um, work my will because I'll think it's up to me. I become the director instead of playing my part. So that's, that's how I, that's how I approach that. But... Sorry, we were, we were talking about Paul's t-shirt, uh, Miles t-shirt. Oh. Paul, Paul McCartney. Oh. I sleep with Paul McCartney every night. <laughs> <laughs> Mine I got in LA. Can you read it? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And you'll get famous. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys. Anything else with this? This is a... Wait, we were going to check in with Kate. Oh, yes. Thank you. Kate. Uh-huh. Update. <laughs> Things are going much better, actually. And what did you, what did you do less of to make that happen? I've been doing less worrying, less trying to force it, you know. Um, I think I've been kind of focusing more on, like, kind of being in the moment of just focusing on what's happening right then and reacting to it right then instead of thinking about it ahead of time and planning what I'm going to do and, like, going off in my head. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Healing. Yeah. It's actually been going way better. Wow. Well, you know what the difficulty, the difficulty with anything going well is we think, or this is how I, what happens to me, things will be going well and I'm in a, I'm in a surrendered state in whatever it is that's going on. And all of a sudden, my ego will get involved, and then I'll think that I have something to do with the outcome. And I'll start <laughs> control again, <laughs> and then screw it up. Yeah. Then I have to start over. It's this cycle. It goes on and on and on and on. Hey, Bill. Have a good day. Hi, Bill. Um. Yeah, that's good, Kate. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad that worked for you. But really staying in that place of surrender, I think, is the key. Yeah. This stuff with the Tao, you know, it's the same. It's just 81 different ways of saying the same thing. Pretty much. Every chapter is pretty much the same thing. Got to let that shit go. I have to just try not to be thinking about controlling the, the situation all the time. I mean, I have to be, it's one or the other. I mean, it's. I have to be in control of the group, but I have to not be thinking about being in control of the group all the time. Right. Right. 
you, you can you can trust your higher power with that control. Right. You know, that's what you're having to do, right? Right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Craig, you have something? Uh, no. No. No, no. I think Kate just answered it and you answered it as well. Because I was I was just thinking to myself, sometimes sometimes things seem to be going that well that I kinda of jinx myself. And I think things are going brilliantly, and then I do something that completely cocks it up, and I'm back to start again. Um, and it is, it's definitely the ego. I think it's, yeah, it's a, I've just figured out it is, it's a control thing. So, yeah. We yeah. move from, uh, we move from uh, playing our part to directing. That's it, yeah. <laughs> playing God, yeah. Playing God. I, I saw a, Something popped up. You know, I try not to get caught into those little ads that come on on a webpage where the list of this and this and this kind of thing. Of the worst actors to work with, and I said, "Well, I wonder who they are." You know, and I went off on that for a few. But the thing I got out of it was they were talking about these folks that are good actors, but then rather than just doing their part, they start taking other people's lines. Then they start telling the director how they're supposed to do this. And, and they just start taking control of the whole thing. So now people in Hollywood shy away from them because they, they're too difficult to work with. Wow. Yeah. After working in movies for 10 years in Hollywood, I'm on the back end, not acting or anything, but it's ego. It all boils down to ego. Yeah. It, yeah. I but, can but, my part and theirs and theirs and direct the whole movie. And, but that's what we're talking about. You know, we're talking about doing that in our everyday life, you know, that we have this director. We have all of this provided, and all we have to do is just play this small part if we will allow ourselves. And instead, we let our ego or our fear, yeah, uh, you know, all those things. You know, what is it, the four things of? selfishness dishonesty resentment or fear when those pop up that's usually me taking control in some way that's good stuff if that's it guys we'll do this again next week hello this is buddy c i wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that i've posted in the episode description these resources include a list of recovery podcasts a free sober meditation app daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.